Did you get that? Love Talk Radio. I didn't hear the last part, but I'll roll with it. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. again be joined by Joe Pano. You can find him at on Twitter at Pano, P-A-E-N-O. It's pretty easy. I'm Todd with one D from PA. You can find us both on Twitter and you can also find this show on iTunes as well as on Blog Talk Radio if you're not catching it live right now. And if you've got draft fatigue and you're tired of hearing the pros pontificate about Um, everything as far as fit and things like that. We're not going to help you out much, but at least we're going to have a little bit of a slant. We're going to go through the first couple rounds of rookies, where they fit into their teams, how it's going to affect their ADP as it relates to MFL 10s. Joe and I both do a ton of MFL 10s, and we've probably each drafted about 30 leagues so far. I haven't looked at Joe's total lately, but I'm over 30. And how the draft will not only affect the players' ADP, whether we thought it was a good pick or not, but we'll also quickly hit on some of the people affected by the selection of that player. And we're going to go. It's going to. We're going to make it easy on you. We're going to go directly in draft order as they were drafted in the NFL. And with no more ado, I am going to introduce Joe Pano. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having me on again. Man. It's been uh love coming on. Uh, you gave me my first shot in a, on a podcast. You know, sorry I screwed it up for you. No, I'm just kidding. But thank you. Well, you did screw it up. I mean, you know, I didn't get the call from uh, ESPN. And, you know, you had promised me that I would, so... You know, deeply disappointed, but we'll just have to try again the second time. What do you think? Well, maybe, uh, maybe uh, you might get another spot with all these guys getting laid off. You know, you might be able to crack a crack a spot. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I have a face made for radio, so that 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 could be that could be. But um, all kidding aside, it's great to have you back. I thought you did fine for your first time. Um, most people are, you know, um, not the best the first time, but uh, you sound at ease, ready to go. Um, so the, the most important question of the day is who won the T-ball game? You know, uh, there's one thing that I, I take great pride in besides, you know, DFS basketball and all that, and that's, that's T-ball, Todd. And my team, um, they are lighting it up. Let me just tell you, I think we're, it was like 22 to like, you know, six or seven. So, yeah, we're 10 and 0. That's amazing. You know, I used to coach my daughter's soccer, and 
they always said, we don't keep score, we don't keep score, it's not important. But, of course, every single parent kept score, and every parent would come up to you after the game if you did a good job and say, nice win, nice win. So, you know, in a PC world, Joe, it's good to know guys like you and me still want our kids to win but also be good people at the same time, and I think you can do both. I'm a little cutthroat, you know, I'm the first base coach or third base coach or whatever. And I, sometimes I'll trip the other kids, you know, I, I really do want to give us an edge, you know, no, I'm kidding. We have a great time. Well, I love they're, it. they're young, they're young. Their coordination isn't all in place. You could actually probably <laughs> make it look like it was their fault. You know, pick them up, dust them off, make sure your son tags them before. All right. All the joking aside, we're ready to get into this. So basically we're going to be discussing each skill player drafted in the first two rounds. For each skill player, we, we will say whether we like the pick. And I'm going to let you go first, Joe. You're going to give us your thoughts on the pick, anything interesting about the pick, whether from an NFL or uh, fantasy perspective. It doesn't matter as long as you clarify it. Um, I'm going to announce each player, and I'm going to give the current ADP of the player in MFL10s. And the first guy, I didn't check because I, I thought he probably either wouldn't have one or it wouldn't matter. But the first player I'm going to throw to you is Mitch Trebinsky. Um The Bears, sorry about that, the Bears drafted him. They moved up. One spot, uh, it was a bit of a surprise. What's your take on Mitch Trebinsky? Well, you know, in terms of fantasy, I don't think he's going to be uh, relevant this year. Um, you know, they they did pay uh, Glennon, you know, a sizable contract, mostly leaning towards the first year. So I think he'll start off, um, as long as he doesn't screw it up in camp, he'll start off as the starter, and I'm sure that they'll – ease Trubisky in towards the end of the, the year or possibly just next year. So I don't think there's a whole lot of fantasy relevance right off the bat. Um, but, you know, if they gave up, they gave up quite a bit to uh, move up one spot, but um, you know, I, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully they just can ease him in there. Cause I don't think he's. Did we lose you? All right. So my, my take on the whole Mitch Trubinsky thing is, it always seems like you're paying too much for a quarterback until they work out. And if they work out, you, you probably are laughing your way to the bank for the next 10 years. And if it doesn't work out, you're, you're just going to rue the day you did it for the next 10 years. But that's just the nature of quarterbacks in the NFL. So I didn't have a problem with the move. It was surprising because they did have Mike Glennon on the roster. They paid him a lot of money. But unlike any other position in pretty much any other sport, you're probably going to have to overpay for quarterback, and you'll be graded on whether it works out or not, and we're not going to know that this year. So we'll move on to the second pick, which was Leonard Fournette, currently at an ADP of 28. He went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um he, you know, I've heard a lot of negatives about this pick, as if it was a bad landing spot. They don't have the best offensive line, and I think the assumption is is that he is a two-down back, and that he won't do much in the passing game, and the Jaguars don't run much near the goal line. But look, even though Doug Marone was there last year, it's 
a different, you know, he's the head coach now. There's no guarantee that the way they did things before is the way they're going to do them now with Tom Coughlin there as well. I'm willing to give him the the benefit of the doubt and say that the, I think this is a better landing spot than most people are giving it credit for. I think he will be good near the red zone, and when you've got the targets that they do in the in the red zone, I think this makes them a better NFL team. And I think in, uh, initially this could drop his ADP a little bit, but I expect by the time we're finished drafting that he's going to be right back around where he is now, uh, simply due to the dearth of people who you can draft at running back in MFL 10s. I don't think it affects anyone else on the roster. Uh, I wasn't drafting T.J. Yeldon before. I was kind of snickering at the people who were. I mean, here's a guy in T.J. Yeldon who, even when he had a chance, a couple times couldn't put up any decent weeks. And in a best ball league, you don't want a guy who's putting up seven, eight points consistently. I'd much rather have a guy who gives me a zero and then gives me a 20. Uh, that's not T.J. Yeldon. I didn't have much interest in him before. I don't have much interest in him now. Joe, what's your take on Leonard Fournette? Uh, well, I'll try to keep the other ones a little shorter when I'm responding, but this one I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about. Um, I know that you know the the capital they spent on the running back maybe isn't um, ideal or the best uh, scenario in terms of of value per se, but in terms of a fantasy perspective, um, man, he's got a heck of a of a workload ahead of him. And honestly, um, I there's a lot of debate on his limitations but i think uh i think honestly he's a better much better prospect in the pass game than people give him credit for not only pass blocking but in the receiving game especially from the 2015 tape um i i i'll be completely honest with everybody i uh, am not like a, a film watcher of college but i i started to this year a little bit more so because you know trying to take you know, trying to ha- be able to back up what I'm what I'm saying, but anyways, um, he's he looked pretty good, and I read a lot of scouting reports, including uh, Matt Waldman, Matt Waldman's in the uh, RSP, and man, I think there's there's a lot more to Fournette than a lot of people think, and the reason why I think he's probably in a good scenario is that defense, Todd. I mean, you and I talked about this earlier. Is Jacksonville's defense is so stout. He's going to have a lot of positive game script, you know? So if they continue to build that offensive line, that could be uh, something to look out for. So, yeah, I definitely like his, his landing spot in terms of fantasy relevance. I, I, you know, I had meant to mention that about the passing game. So that was a great addition. Um, I won't, I won't belabor the point, but I agree with you. I think he could surprise people catch 25, 30 passes you know, and if he gets you eight to ten touchdowns and gets you a thousand yards, and you draft him at or near his current ADP, you're going to feel pretty good about himself, uh, about yourself, and that pick. So I had no Fournette going into um, the draft. I, I was I was worried about his landing spot, and I thought 28 was too soon. But um, I could see myself starting to selectively get some shares of Leonard Fournette going forward. All right, we're on to the next guy. Um, Joe, you're going to go first. It's Corey Davis. He went to the Tennessee Titans. His current ADP is 76. Yeah, Corey Sorry Davis. About that. Uh, I forgot to turn my cell phone off. Rookie mistake. Go ahead, Joe. 
So, uh, so yeah, Corey Davis, uh, truthers, I would imagine, are rejoicing everywhere. Um, I don't think they could ask for a better scenario. The the talk was quiet on him, as you heard from a lot of analysts. Like there, even Josh Norris was saying it. There wasn't a whole lot of talk, so people could anal- overanalyze that a little bit. But he ended up going real high. Went to a great landing spot with Tennessee. Um, maybe that hurts, um, you know, our boy. Uh, to just blink for a second there. Um, uh, Rashard Matthews, sorry, he, it probably hurts him a little bit, but at the same time, his price wasn't really overinflated at all. So, um, but yeah, it's a great spot for him for for dynasty um, short term as well. I don't I don't really know where I'm comfortable picking him at the point at this point yet, but I think it's a great landing spot for him and a help for Mariota as well. Yep, I I would say that um, you know from a football perspective, long term, it was a great spot. It's great for Marcus Mariota. Um, I think it maybe bumps up Mariota's uh, ADP just a, a, a tiny bit. Um, look, but Corey Davis comes from a small conference, and he's going to a fairly conservative team. I wouldn't, you know, everyone who is rejoicing. I'm a little confused because I don't know that I could see him being a really great pro, but I don't know if he's going to be a really great pro right out of the gate. And, uh, you know, I I, I could see him having a 50-55 catch year, um, catching six or seven touchdowns and everyone thinking he had a very good, solid rookie year and came on stronger in the second half of the year. Um, I think it's going to affect Rashard Matthews' ADP of 77 and Delaney's Walker's ADP of 92. I expect Davis's ADP of 76 to go up, and I think that he'll start going consistently in the fifth round, uh, but not to me. And I think he's a good player. I like him. But uh, rookie wide receivers, especially ones from small conferences, going at value um, – thoughts on him. I do think it hurts Delaney Walker a little bit. He's getting older, and the more good people that are there, um, I think it could hurt Delaney a little bit, but other than that, no. Uh, Any final thoughts before we move on to Mike Williams? Well, I was going to say it's a perfect segue um, to Mike Williams, because, you know, I'm curious to hear what you would think, because, you know, I think Mike Williams, from a dynasty standpoint, is great, uh, but from a First year, would you rather have in a fantasy, you know, situation? Would you rather have Corey Davis or Mike Williams? Oh, I think for this year, there's no doubt that I'd rather have Corey Davis. Um, Mike Williams, uh, just to give everyone out there all the statistics, current ADP of 110. Um, you got to figure that uh, 12 times 10 is 120, so he's he's going in the 11th round. Um, Tyrell Williams. 79, now 28, Hunter Henry 85 ADP. Um, I, I think that they can afford to let him sit. I, I like Mike Williams, and, and it wouldn't shock me if he had a good rookie year, but I would, I would think that you would need another Keenan Allen injury for that to happen. I do think it, uh, it negatively affects Richard Matthews. It was kind of frustrating to me as I traded T.Y. Hilton in a dynasty league for, you're not going to believe this, Richard Matthews and 
Tyrell Williams along with Malcolm Mitchell. Those, I got those three guys for T.Y. Hilton in a very deep league, so I took two hits in the first eight picks of the draft. But I think that, um, you know, again, Tyrell Williams has a year under his belt and should be okay. And overall, I just think this makes the whole larger team better. But the one guy I really do think it affects, I always thought his ADP was too high, and I haven't taken much of him, is Hunter Henry. Antonio Gates is still there. Now you've got Mike Williams, who's another guy who can go up and get the ball in the end zone. Uh, Keenan Allen coming back. I think Henry, his ADP, for me, he should drop back into the ninth, 10th, 11th round, but I'm not sure it'll drop that much. But if people put the analytics into it, I would hope to see him at least drop back, you know, another 24 or so picks. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so Mike Williams, pardon me, Mike Williams, um, you know, I'm definitely I'm excited for him for the long term. I think he's a, it's a great landing spot. You know, I don't really know. This is my first year playing Dynasty. I'm kind of like a rookie in that regard. Um but I, I, I don't know. So maybe you got, if you got Philip Rivers there, but we don't not, we're not really sure how long he's going to be, uh, you know, in his, I guess, better years. Uh, but I think it's a great spot for, for Rivers right now. Like his, I loved him before um, as like a kind of Matt Ryan kind of bounce back candidate kind of thing. Um, but now I just, you, you got to love him even more. They're building up the offensive line. They made some great picks. I think they got Forrest Lamp as well. Um you know, this is just a great spot for him and Melvin Gordon. Like a lot of the Chargers that are affected, like in a positive way, it's going to be Gordon. I think he's a lock at a first-round pick at this point. I know, I know you probably don't love that, but I think he's a probably a lock in the first round right now. Um, as well as, um, you know, I love, I love Philip Rivers, like I said, but I don't really love Mike Williams from. Uh, like, I, I don't think I'll be drafting a ton of him, but I think he's got a good touchdown upside, you know, stuff like that. Um, I made a, I made a bet with Elliot Christ on uh, the power hour pod about Mike Williams, actually. And, you know, we were drinking a little bit, so it's, it's all friendly, but we were both talking a little smack and uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's Mr. Mike Williams. Um, so is uh, I think on the show, it was Tyler and TJ were, you know, going crazy about Mike Williams and, and I called them out on it, or not called them out, but we put a 200 PPR uh, line there. So if he scores under that, I won 100 bucks. So I'm I'm pretty confident I'm gonna win that bet. Uh, but Elliot's a good guy; he's confident. He knows more about football than I do, so we'll see. Well, uh, look, you know, someone can know more and still be wrong, and uh, we, we, you know, we find that all the time. Um, guys like us working jobs, it's, it's hard sometimes to get all the study that some of these other guys put in. But he, neither here nor there, I think that 100 bucks is pretty safe. Um, I'll, I'll just address your uh, Melvin Gordon comment because I was pretty active early on Twitter as not really loving when I had to take him um, or just in general not loving late in the first round of uh, MFL 10s. But one of my key rules, especially this year, is to try and allow my opinion to change as facts change. And part of the reason I was down on Gordon was because I felt he has some um, touchdown regression coming, and I still feel that way. But between Danny Woodhead signing elsewhere and no one really 
you know, I didn't see them pick up a running back today. They may have, but I, I, I think he is clearly now one of the top ten players in an MFL 10, and I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, but, again, I do think that whole offense has the chance to be a lot better next year, and I am, I've come around on Mr. Gordon based on the facts changing. So we check move on out. to the next. What's that? I said, check you out. That sounded, uh, you know, so uh, so mature. Well, I'm 54 freaking years old. If I don't have maturity now, I'm hey, in a lot of trouble. Hey, we didn't have to say trouble. that out loud, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, the numbers don't lie. That's what they'll tell you on RotoViz. The numbers don't lie. <laughs> So um, we're going to go to the next player taken, and that was Christian McCaffrey. He was a guy who started out going in the fifth, sixth round of MFL 10s. He had probably the most wind at his back as of all the rookies as we headed into the draft. And he ended up in Carolina. He currently has an ADP of 39, and we're we're seeing him go late third, early fourth. Um, The only guy really affected is Jonathan Stewart at 130, unless you think someone else. What's your thoughts on the pick? You know, this is a a really awesome talking point. It's going to be – it's really polarizing. Um, you know, early on, I was really buying this uh, Christian McCaffrey hype, and I still, I still like, you know, and buying him in terms of his role in the passing game and and potentially how he might be used. Um, but I'm a little nervous because Mr. Uh, EOM rules on Twitter um, is friend of the the Power Hour crew and and all of them. He's a real sharp guy. He uh, he put out a little Christian McCaffrey uh, hate video, and it was kind of it was almost kind of like a joke at first. But like honestly, I was watching it, and and he had some really good points about McCaffrey having trouble versus like the big time um, schools, like running between the tackles. He definitely ran between the tackles really well versus some of the lesser competition. But then I went back and watched some some film, and, and he was right. Like he wasn't really breaking any tackles of competent uh, defenses and stuff like that. But I won't go too much farther with that. So it gave me a little bit of of uh, you know wanted to pull back the reins a little bit because if he didn't land on a a Saints or a team with like a just going to really really boost him in PPR, then I was going to be a little nervous. Anyways, I think he's uh I think his price is pretty aggressive. Um, I you know they are going to really have to scheme him the ball a ton, which they, I'm sure they will, putting that much capital in him, uh, draft capital that is. Uh, but I don't know, Todd. I'm staying away from that price. I think um, I'd have to really really crunch the numbers to see if he's really worth that. And there's there's probably guys I'm going to feel more confident um, in at that point. So I'm probably pretty cold on McCaffrey um, in terms of fantasy, in terms of his price. Yeah, I, I think you made a bunch of really good points there. Um, I had thought that his ADP, you know, it, it, you know, players in MFL 10s, are, it's like the stock market. It's prone to hype and crashes and the smart guy takes advantage of it and passes on a guy when his, the hype outlasts the talent. And then also when, when people, when, you know, value crashes, uh, and we'll get to one guy whose value is going to crash later, who I, I am very interested in, 
um, at the right price. Um, you know, I, I still think McCaffrey with his passing game is worth a fourth-round pick. Um, not in every draft, not, you know, 20 25%, but I do think that he is a guy who, you know, can give you a touchdown with a return, who can catch that five passes for 50 yards, um, if he adds, you know, 20, 30 yards on the ground, you know, if, if he's catching five passes a game, you don't need him to run for 100 yards. So I, I, I do think that it'll be interesting to see what will happen with his ADP. I think, if anything, it drops back a little bit at first until we see how they use him in the preseason but I, I do still see some value in taking him, which leads us to our next player, which is John Ross. Um, he was going at 145 before, which is literally the end of the 12th round. Um, I want to get your thoughts on him and his spot and who, it, who you think it might affect on the Bengals. Sure. Um, oh. I... I really yeah, you like. Go. go ahead, you go first. Okay, sure. Um, I like I like John Ross. Um, I think I'm not an expert on him individually. I've done a lot of like reading and research and things like that on him, but I haven't watched it a ton. Um, but what I did see was that he was really good in, in route running, especially uh, getting towards the red zone. I think that's a reception perception kind of note that um, uh, Matt Harmon made as well. Um, obviously, he's the expert, but uh, yeah, I, I really liked his route running. I thought he could really, he, he actually trained with Deshaun Jackson. I don't know if you knew, know that or not, but Deshaun Jackson is one of my favorite, uh, you know, players, uh, just more than just the deep threat. He's just a really good route runner. He can really separate. And I think John Ross with Jackson um, is going to really uh, benefit him because, you know, just knowing how to use your speed, um, you know, when it's important because you got to create separation. Otherwise, you know, he's going to get real dinged up, and he's also, you know, obviously has a lot of injury history, so we'll see. I like it more for Dalton to, to get down to the fantasy relevance of it. I like Dalton a lot more um, with John Ross, with the threat, um, with A.J. Green as well, and, and Eifert hopefully coming back soon and things like that, you know, Tyler Boyd in the slot. So I really like this from a fantasy perspective for Dalton, and I think Ross is still a really good target for MFL 10s depending on, you know, his price. Uh, so that could be really like a good uh, best ball target. Uh, hopefully they keep addressing the offensive line because that would be that would kind of scare me. But uh, but yeah, I think it's I think it's good for Dalton. Yeah, I I I really like the pick, and again I I seem to be a little higher on him than I am on Corey Davis as it relates to landing spot for year one. And I agree with you. I'm just like you. I haven't been a tape watcher, but because of my interest in doing the pod, being better at MFL 10s, I've seen the need to get better. And so John Ross is one guy I have looked at. He's got a really nice move getting off the line uh, or two. Um, He's a guy who can run a few different routes. He's not just a guy who depends on his speed and, you know, with A.J. Green on the other side, he's going to see single coverage all day long. Um, Tyler Boyd is the slot guy. 
Brandon LaFell is Brandon LaFell. I, I don't agree with a lot of people who think that John Ross isn't a starter out of the gate. I think with his game-breaking speed, he certainly can be. And I think he's a great best ball guy because he is that guy who can catch you an 80-yard touchdown and get you 25 points in a week. So um, I, I, I don't think it affects A.J. Green's ADP at all. Uh, I think it enhances A.J. Green because, again, you're going to have to at least keep an eye on John Ross if he beats you deep once. And uh, I wasn't drafting much of Tyler Boyd. I, I, I probably should have had some Brandon LaFell but didn't. And uh, any last thoughts on John Ross? I think he hit on the head, Todd. Um, I really think uh, I really like John Ross. I think he's a great prospect. Just uh, it's just the health, you know, just the shoulders, you know, and whatever other little like other things they've been dealing with. But no, I think it's a great, uh, great best ball target. I'm. Where did you say he was going right now? He was going right at the uh, end of the twelfth, beginning of the thirteenth round. Yeah, I could, I could definitely stomach that. Um, I would, I don't think he'll probably go too high because, like you said, he's got other competition. Other people might, you know, not be sure of that. But he's a great kind of best ball type, uh, type target for sure. All right. Uh, yeah, I, both Joe and I really like John Ross and his landing spot as it relates to MFL tens for 2017, where both of the wide receivers who went before him. That's not necessarily the case. So uh, I'm just going to let you do a quick comment on Pat Mahomes. Um, I mean, he went. He's obviously going to most likely be behind, be behind Alex Smith. But give me uh, give me a quick version of uh, your take on him if you've watched tape, and do you think he's draftable at all in any format other than dynasty right now? Uh, personally, I think he's a great you know, picking dynasty, um, I would probably be hesitant for anyone who's excited about him potentially in, in a redraft format. Um, just because Pat Mahomes coming in, even though he is like my favorite quarterback prospect, uh, you know, in the draft, I don't think that he's, you know, ready to go. I think he's, he's going to be a little bit more raw. He would benefit from like an Aaron Rodgers kind of sitting for a year. I mean, obviously <laughs> not exactly the same comparison having Alex Smith as the, Air or you know being the heir apparent to Alex Smith, uh, but yeah, I think he's a great fit. He's in a he's a, in a good landing spot. Um, yeah, so I'm excited about him for dynasty. You know, and again, this is coming from a rookie in dynasty, but I know football and uh, you know know fantasy football. So I think he would probably be a great dynasty pick. Um, I don't know exactly how high you know to target a quarterback, but yeah, he's a well. Great, it depends a, on your league and the scoring. If it's super flex, et cetera. But uh, you're right. So we'll move on to Deshaun Watson, the other quarterback. I'll take this one. Um, You know, my quick take on him is that he wasn't draftable really in MFL 10s before, but I think, he, you know, if you need a third quarterback, um, they're talking about Tom Savage as the starter, but to me that's just coach speak. That's just the things that you say. I wouldn't trust him as a number two uh, quarterback, but as a number three, if you really don't like your backup or you think you need help with the third quarterback in MFL 10s, I, I think he's going to be the starter before too long. And between Fuller and 
Hopkins, he certainly has the receivers. Um, that's my take. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right on. Are you, are you talking about Watson or Mahomes still? Sorry. No, I was uh, I was talking about elementary Mr. Watson. Oh, gotcha. Sorry, I was uh, going back to look through at your DMs. Um, so, so yeah, Watson, I think, is, uh, you know, I, this was a guy that Elliot Christ again was from Pro Football Focus was raving about. So he was, like, super excited about him going to the Texans. I don't know if you saw this, but he bet $500 that uh, the Texans would win the Super Bowl, um, you know, mostly for the odds. Like, he was, he was pretty gung-ho about it. He's got some cojones, that's for sure. Um, so I think he could win like 11,500 11, bucks if he wins that, uh, that bet. But anyways, that was pretty, pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I think it's good. I think it's a good fit in the short term, at least, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of mixed reviews on Watson is, you know, arm strength and things like that. But I think, I think it's good for me. Uh, uh, it's definitely an upgrade for sure. You know, so I think, uh, it helps the fantasy relevance in Houston, I think. Well, a quick look uh, the Texans are 15 to 1 so you know his 500 could turn into 7500 you know i always watch a lot of time travel movies and that's kind of one of those time travel bets right you go in i'll play 500 on the texans um but um no i i think that um it's not far fetched um if you can get past them damn patriots so we move on to the next player um, ADP 135, and it's O.J. Howard. He went to the Tampa Bay Bucks, where they had Cameron Brait, who was being drafted as the 13th tight end off the board at 119. Um, what's your take on the pick, the situation with the two guys and their ADP, and, and does it affect anyone else? Yeah, uh, you know, that's I think Brait played a lot in the slot. If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember um, if it was Scott Barrett or somebody else who was tweeting about it last year. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that that Brait played a lot in the slot. So I think it. Uh, I think he could still stay alive. Uh, maybe it hurts him a little bit with his you know touchdown upside. Um, but I think you know in a PPR, I think he still should be relevant for sure. Um, Howard, you know that's a great solid pick for for the organization. Um, I think it helps the run game. I think it helps, you know, um, Winston, um, the touchdown upside, things like that. I I don't know. I'm sure people will be kind of higher on Howard probably than I am. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think he's still very fantasy relevant for sure. Um, even though rookies don't always, you know, hit year one with fantasy or rarely do, except for like the Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry and, you know, that kind of situation. It was kind of like the outlier. But – I still think tight ends can hit your one. I just wouldn't overdraft them. Yeah, I agree 100% with everything you said there. Um, when I alluded to earlier the guy that I was interested in grabbing once his ADP crashes, it was Cameron Brait. Um, I'm thinking more, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th round. Um, you know, I, I had started taking him a little bit early in drafts in MFL 10s, and then I kind of had backed off of that, you know, because I had heard one of those blurbs, and I get, sometimes I get a little bit of grief, um, you know, oh, you're a blurb guy. Well, sometimes those blurbs are worth listening to, 
And the fact that they were considering drafting a tight end scared me. And right now I'm going to give you my my Cameron Brait exposure. I only own 8%. It was three times I drafted him early around pick 125. His ADP right now is 119. I expect it to go back into the 15th, 16th, 17th round. And the guy can catch the football. I don't. Uh, I don't think that. Uh, I, I I don't think that he's uh, irrelevant at all. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to have a huge position on him, but if Howard gets hurt, if Howard, you know, starts out slow, <clears throat> I think that. Uh, I think that Brait can do you some good as a third tight end in MFL tens. I wouldn't trust him as a second. So. Um, I don't think it affects um, anyone else. Do you? Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. They also drafted uh, Godwin, a wide receiver. Um, do, do you see that affecting uh, the big two of Evans and uh, and Jackson? No, I mean I don't think it. I don't think it particularly affects them um, off the bat or anything like that. Uh, I just, like I said, I think James Winston is just. He's a clear cut um, man. He keeps he's going to keep rising and deservedly so. I mean, especially at best ball, man. That he feels like a great um, you know best ball target. So from a dynasty and you know best ball target, man. I think uh, I think Winston is is on the rise for sure. He could end up being a top six uh, QB. You know. You know it's it, that's a guy that I got to start looking to draft more especially when I have drafted Mike Evans in the first round. Um, that's one of the little tweaks that I am doing to my um, MFL 10s this year. I had never considered, um, you know, matching the quarterback with his receiver or stacking. Uh, but it is so effective in daily fantasy. Why wouldn't it be in best ball where you're trying to get the best score each week and since you never really want more than 20% of any one quarterback, you, you, you tend to spread it around. So why not pick a quarterback that does match your receiver? So that's one of the things I've been focusing on a little bit this year to kind of one of those little tweaks to try and turn some second-place finishes into first. All right, we move on to the next guy. My new, my, my, I'm a Giant fan, and we took Evan Ingram and. I was so tired. I fell asleep right before their pick, and I wake up and I look and I'm like, "Dang, O.J. Howard got taken before." Uh, you know, he had O.J. Howard wasn't off the board yet. And then I, 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 you know, at first I was like Ingram, but then the more I thought about it, the more I thought that they had brought in Red Ellison to be the blocking tight end, and that Shepard really isn't an ideal slot guy he he wins through the air not through quickness and speed even though he's not a bigger receiver I think that Engram is a matchup nightmare with his speed I think it opens up the field for OBJ and Marshall as well as Shepard I think you'll see Engram uh, playing the slot sometimes in in three wide receiver sets as the third wide receiver so to speak with Ellison as the blocker and when it's a passing down, I think you'll see uh, him as the fourth option as a, quote, tight end. 
So I really like the pick for the Giants. I think out of almost anyone, he's at a 174 ADP, the 21st tight end. I really think he's going to move up the boards pretty quickly. I've already seen him drafted much sooner in, a, in an MFL 10 I was already going on. Um, I think, though, Shepard, who is already in a free fall, is going to continue to drop. I think this kills his value because you got another guy who's good in the end zone, another guy who's a matchup nightmare. I think it hurts Shepard a lot. Um, what's your take on Evan Engram? This is a real exciting one. Pretty, I mean, to be honest, this is a little polarizing for me, so I'm kind of uh, excited to see how they use him. Um, I was expecting him to go to a team, or I wanted him to go to a team um, where it was a little – I don't know. I was like really hoping for like they would cut Kobe Fleener and just sign <laughs> draft uh, Ingram. I was hoping he would go to the Saints or something. But um, no, I mean, I love Ingram just uh, just to kind of give you a little insight. He's he's my tied for second highest owned player in MFL 10. Um, oh, I had wow. been, yeah, I had been taking him in the 17th, 18th round forever from like the, you know, the day they won almost. Um, maybe, you know, later than that in the, my first few drafts. So I have a ton of Ingram, but, um, you know, you, you know, you know how much you have. Yeah. I have 24 out of 50 leagues. What? Uh, so are you, are you in, um, uh, other than at Pano, do you have another name you go by? Um, no, it's, uh, Joe, I mean, I occasionally, you go by I, Joe I, P? I, the time it's, it's Joe P, you know, it's kind of like, I don't know. Sometimes I changed a couple of them in the beginning to like at Pano and I got tired of it and I was just like, whatever. So occasionally like I'll, I'll change it, but I don't, I don't mask it or anything like that. Uh, no, I got well, 50 the, and sorry, go ahead. The the reason I mentioned it is because that Rotoviz app I was telling you about, I quickly looked you up uh, 42 leagues. You've got Ingram 20 times at pick 189. He is ADP 174 now. Pretty soon he's going to be crushing ADP. I think you really did good there, Joe. Yeah, I guess I do have a couple different names then. Uh, But, yeah, I have 50 total. I pulled it up. I have 50 total, and I have 24 shares. But, yeah, he's he was one of my favorite guys. You know, I got to give credit to Whalen first off because a lot of people liked him and a lot of people talked about him. Um, That kind of solidified it, and then I went back and – watch tape and stuff but nick whalen sold me on the the power hour pod man he went on about him so much and he talked about him being like his i think second favorite receiver or maybe it was number four or something like if he didn't count him as a tight end he he kind of would would have counted him as like the second or third best uh receiver in the class so the more he went on about him i just kept looking into him and that was months you know probably a couple months ago and uh, ever since then, man, I kept looking into him and just kept drafting him. And I think that'll be a, a nice value for me, um, at least to offset some of my other crappy picks. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I'm, exci- I'm well, excited about him. I don't know exactly um, how they'll use him, but I think, uh, you know, I'm excited to see how, how they use him because, man, he's a fantastic talent. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, there's a lot of mouths to feed there, but – a guy that you draft in the 12th to 15th round, again, if, if you make three catches for 80 yards and you get a touchdown and you got 17 points out of a guy at tight end, you're, you're, you know, you're feeling great. So I, 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 I like the pick. I, I like the value. 
And then the next guy off the board was David, and I don't know that I'm saying the name right, Njuku. Um, he's at ADP 188. He went to the Browns, and uh, the Browns immediately turned around and got rid of his competition in Gary Barnage by cutting him. So what's your take on David Njuku? Um, I love the player. Love the player. Um, honestly, I was thinking that the Giants would take Njoku, so I'm kind of, I was kind of puzzled by that. I think I would have liked Njoku in, in New York a lot. Um, but with that being said, I think he's a great prospect. I think from a dynasty perspective, he is just as a tight end one, you know, ceiling. You know, I don't want to take anybody else's, you know, credit or anything like that. Um, Fantasy Mansion was going off about him being tight end number one you know, having that ceiling with Evan Silva, like they were talking him up a lot too. But of course he's a great prospect. I love him. Went back, watched a ton of his tape before and, and he's just got so much upside. It might take a little while though for him. Maybe I'm not, I don't think he might be, um, he might have a little bit of a learning curve, um, you know, early on, but he's definitely got some upside for sure. So um, if he was on like the giants, I might be a little bit, higher on him but um he's definitely somebody i'll be watching his adp to see how that kind of turns out but he might be a slow starter yeah well you know it's kind of interesting because um i i see this just completely opposite and i think people kind of um you know being a giant fan and just watching so much of their games they play three. They th- play three wide more than anyone, and they also have a quarterback who is at you know near the end. Injoku is a guy who might be better five years from now than Engram, but for the next three years, I think Engram is the better prospect and the better fit. Um, I think Injoku is uh, draftable in Cleveland as a starter. In, you know, as a third tight end, very late, I don't think I'll be taking too many shares of him early because he is raw. Um, that could change when I get some more eyes. I haven't watched his tape like I did some of the others. But a guy like Njoku who just has these raw skills, it's very easy for guys who see these, you know, these amazing plays to say, wow, look, I mean, what an athlete. And, and kind of push him further than what he should be, uh, especially out of the gate. So th- that, those are my thoughts on Njoku, a little bit more on Ingram. Anything else you have on those two or responses to what well, I said? I actually just I wanted to kind of, you know, bat you on the back with that because, honestly, I think that's a good um, insight with New York. And, and these are two that I'm going to probably be analyzing for – for a while because I love, these are two of my favorite prospects in the draft. And, um, you know, the giants, I know they throw, they use a lot, like primarily like three receiver sets. So if you think that he is going to, you know, kind of bump shepherd out of the slot, um, at least, you know, for a good portion of it, then that makes sense. Um, that, that you would see even more value than maybe I was at first. Because that's what I was anticipating him going to another team doing. But for some reason, I wasn't wasn't really thinking that way. If they're not planning on using him primarily as a tight end in that regard, then that would be ideal. Because that's what I wanted for him in a different landing spot. So, you know, that's that's a real good point. Um, the, yeah, in terms yeah, of I don't N- see him, Njoku, man. I don't see him necessarily as a 
tight end as much as a, a matchup nightmare. And if sure. he comes in and plays, I'm not saying he's going to take uh, half of Shepard's snaps, but if he gets, you know, 20% of Shepard's snaps on first and second down and he's on the field for all third down, he, he, you know, that's enough playing time for him at his current ADP. Yeah. I, and and I think I think this all goes with the caveat. I think you would agree that these rookies and these landing spots, these ADPs are all bound to change. So all of what we're talking about is really um, speculation based upon what we know now. Our opinion could change after these ADPs start to settle and rise and things like that. So I think these are two that you really watch carefully. And as uh, you know things go, then you can kind of feel more comfortable on pouncing or fading them and stuff like that. Because right now, I think I'm just going to kind of see how things shake out early on and see if people are just going crazy with the rookie, you know, the latest rookie draft picks and stuff. I'll probably be a little bit more hesitant with most of these rookies. Yeah. You know, I, again, I use the Rotoviz app. I think the ADP is better. I can't do it when I'm on my phone, but uh, when I'm home and making an MFL 10 pick, I'll go over and I'll put in my league number and I'll see the guys left on the board and their ADP and, you know, I have a pretty good sense of where guys were a couple weeks ago. And, you know, so, again, I'm always looking for value. Uh, if I think that Engram's stock rises too much, if he starts going in the top, you know, 10 tight ends, I'm going to lose interest. All right, we're going to move on to the second round of the NFL draft. We'll probably not go – we're not going to go through every skill guy taken, but the key ones in the second round. The first one up was Zay Jones, who went to the Bills. I mean, he really wasn't being drafted. He had an ADP of 213, so some drafts he would get drafted, some he wouldn't. I think now, clearly, he has the inside track in a well, – you know, there was a lot of arguing that um, was going on about him. Is he a good prospect, a great prospect, an average prospect? I really, He's been pretty polarizing from what I've seen on Twitter, um, but one thing that we can't argue about going forward is his opportunity, and opportunity can be king because Tyrod Taylor is going to complete X number of passes to his number two receiver. If that's Zay Jones, well, then he's draftable in MFL 10s. Um, I happen to like the guy a little bit. Uh, I, I understand the limitations that he's more of a possession guy in college and a slot guy in college, but uh, those are my takes on Zay Jones, and as we have all along, I'm looking forward to your thoughts on uh, Zay Jones. Yeah, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Zay Zay is primarily in the slot, right? Like possession well, he did slot, in college. Okay. So I think, he's, you know, it's a great opportunity. I mean, man, uh, the Bills don't really have anybody besides, I mean, Watkins, right? I mean, I think exactly. he's, uh, he's hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, I think he's a great uh, target at the moment. I think he's a guy that you really watch because, um, honestly, he could be easier to translate. Like, if you, if you play in the slot, at least from what, what I've what I've noticed, it seems like slot guys usually transition a little bit easier, um, you know, Quarterbacks love targeting, you know, big slot receivers. He doesn't have a lot of competition. It's definitely, you know, that's what fantasy is all about. Just, you know, opportunity. So I think he's a, a guy to watch for sure. Yeah. I, I, again, I, 
I don't know that it's a high volume offense, but um, I do expect him to start getting drafted pretty regularly now. Um, next guy up is Curtis Samuel, who has a 205 ADP, which means that he's being drafted in around the 19th round. Um, again, going to Carolina with McCaffrey, it's like they wanted a couple Swiss Army knives. And how do you see those Swiss Army knives uh, fitting in? And do you think it leaves Devin Funches as the clear number two there now? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Curtis Samuel is a is going to be a nice replacement for Ted Ginn. Um, I'm excited about him as a prospect. I'm excited to see how they they use him. I mean, he's a dynamic player. Um, I think he found a a pretty good home, to be honest, uh, you know, with how they could use him. So it'll be interesting to see this evolution that the Panthers, uh, you know, hinted at, um, you know, with McCaffrey and Samuel and things like that. So they, they have options. Um, Cam is certainly has flaws in his game in terms of throwing to the running backs, you know, earlier in his career. Um, TJ Calkins always made a joke about, you know, McCaffrey's, how good is he, is he at catching 74 mile per hour screen passes, you know, things like that. But I mean, they got options, so they're going to, it's going to be an interesting offense. Cam's, uh, you know, should be, I don't know, this should help Cam, you know, I, I think this is going to help Cam and the offense and his fantasy value. Yeah. I, I, I again, um, you know, these are game breakers and the more the field is open for a guy like Cam Newton, the better, um, because as much as they say, oh, he's going to run less, he's going to run less, yeah, maybe you call less runs, but if he drops back and everyone is scrambling to cover McCaffrey and Benjamin and Funches and Samuel and Cam sees a seam and takes off, he could go for 40 yards. So I think, again, these, these guys who have – this extreme upside and speed. The only speed guy they had was Ted Ginn, and it was pretty straight line. Now that they now they've got some other options, and you know, yeah, Cam probably doesn't throw the nicest screen in the league, but at the same time, uh, they've never really had a true third down back either. So um, it'll be interesting to see what goes on there. Um, that leaves us to Dalvin Cook, ADP of 43, so he's already going in the fourth round. He goes to the Minnesota Vikings, who traded up for him. Uh, Latavius Murray had an ADP of 64, as he was considered the starter. Jarek McKinnon was at 134, which is the 11th round. I'll take this one, and I think it's one of my favorite value landing spots in the draft. Um, Minnesota's offensive line is bad, but they did bring in some new people. Um, I think it'll be a little bit better. And look, I have to watch tape on Dalvin Cook before I start going deep into buying him. Um, But, you know, he doesn't have a great spark score. He's not, you know, he he did really bad at the combine. But... um, but certainly he's a guy who can run the ball. He's a guy who can catch the ball. And in the fourth round of an MFL 10 where you need a running back who can get you, you know, 10, 12 points every week, I think Dalvin Cook is a good player, a good pickup 
and uh, I'm going to be doing more research there. I think this really hurts Latavius Murray. I see him dropping into, you know, from 64 probably back to like 128, if not more. I think most people are going to be on the Dalvin train. I think it also knocks McKinnon back a good bit. Um, and that's my take on it. What are your thoughts on Dalvin Cook and uh, the landing spot? Yeah, honestly, this is really interesting and puzzling to me um, uh, for for Dalvin Cook and for the Vikings, to be honest. But, you know, it's a really interesting fit because uh, the Vikings' offensive line is, is garbage, uh, as you say in French. Um, they – you know, McKin- you know, I never was really interested in Murray uh, to begin with, um, especially behind that offensive line, because if he couldn't do it in Oakland, why in the heck would he be able to do it in uh, Minnesota? Then you got McKinnon, who I was actually, you know, lukewarm interested in, um, at least at the price. Um, John Proctor kind of pointed out to me a while back that um, ever since Pat Shermer was the offensive coordinator, they had started running um, a lot more pass plays, especially to the running backs. And uh, McKinnon was heavily utilized in the passing game in the second half of the season um, or maybe the last quarter of it. So he looked like a pretty decent target in PPR. Um, But now, man, I don't know. I don't think I'm interested in McKinnon at all. Uh, Maybe, maybe really, really, really late as like a sixth running back or something, but probably not because honestly, Cook is going to cloud that whole picture up you know, I I don't even know if I'm interested in Cook. I like Cook a lot, to be honest. I liked his tape. I loved watching him as a prospect. I know his spark score was terrible. Um, but I, I was really kind of interested in his landing spot, and I'm not interested in, in Minnesota, to be honest. Um, I'd have to kind of watch his price, but I don't think I'll be buying him uh, in uh, this year. Yep, um, I, yes. I, 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 I think you, you know, we're pretty much at once again in agreement this is a great opportunity for Dalvin Cook. We're going to have to see how his ADP plays out, do more research on the player. But, you know, before the combine, he was considered a top 15 pick in the draft. Maybe he would go ahead of the other two running backs. I, I think he was considered the number one guy. Um, so there are people who can play football despite certain limitations. Uh, I need more eyes on the situation, but I definitely have interest in him, and we'll have to see how it goes forward. A couple of tight ends went, but we'll skip those, and we'll head. You mind if I next say one thing? Go, no, you could. You could always. I apologize. Say I apologize. I just want. No, no, I started no, thinking uh, about Cook, you know, and I appreciate it. So I, I, I was thinking about Cook, you know. We'll have to watch this because, like we talked about before, um, opportunity is king, and. <laughs> I started off by talking about how bad Latavius Murray was. And so that, that kind of does leave room for opportunity for cook potentially. So we have to watch it, you know, watch the injury situation with, uh, with Latavius, um, you know, cause that, that could create a lot of opportunity if, if maybe he faltered or he's, you know, hurt early on. So we'll see, we'll see. That's a, it, it'll be interesting to kind of watch the rest of the off season, how it unfolds, but he's kind of a wait and see guy, but I'm not like excited about him at the moment. Yeah, I, I, I get that, and, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to just last thing on this. I, I think it's kind of important, and we're going a little long with the podcast, but I don't care because I don't care. I mean, I care if people listen, and I understand why you would jump out, but, um, you know, 
doing a good pod and doing things right is a little bit more important to me than uh, than anything else. Now, why am I not fun. able to get? Yeah, and uh, yeah. So why didn't that happen the way it was supposed to? I was trying to go to our lads. Just give me a second. I, I just want to go over the uh, the Vikings' offensive line, and uh, you know, I just want to remember the two players that they that they uh, brought in. So on the offensive line now, they've got Mike Remmers at left tackle. Alex Boone at left guard, Joe Berger at center, Willie Beavers um, <laughs> at uh, right guard, and Riley Reef at right tackle. Um, so they did upgrade the line some. Alex Boone, um, you know, had, he got a late start last year. Remmers is decent. Berger is decent. Reef is decent. I mean, it's still bad, but it's certainly not the dumpster fire I think it was last year. All right, we're moving on to the next gentleman, and he is probably the most polarizing guy in the in, in the whole draft, but not because of his talent, because of the off-field incident that everyone knows about. For the purposes, however, of our pod, we are going to look at him strictly from the perspective of where he was drafted, and the position, or for the most part, uh, feel free to throw in an opinion if you want. But Joe Mixon, he has an ADP of 58. He ended up in Cincinnati. And I'm interested on your take on him. Gio Bernard at 91 and uh, Hill at 101 and the effect it will have on them. Sure. Well, I look, I got to start off by saying, uh, calling myself out. I was so wrong. <laughs> I was really, really wrong about mixing in the, in the, I didn't think uh, that anyone would, uh, would want to take him in the first two days of the draft, to be honest. I know the talent was there. I just thought it was going to be a night, a PR nightmare, I thought, you know, but we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, obviously well, let me, jump in, for, let me jump in one second on that. And I apologize. Um, in that sense, I think he landed in the perfect spot because Mike Brown could give two toadstools about what anyone thinks. And in, often in his career, that has been a negative. But um, in this case, it's a positive for Joe Mixon because I think he is only going to be looked at on how he plays on the football field. They're used to having guys with uh, – you know, issues in Cincinnati. This isn't Marvin Lewis's first rodeo. The incident happened a number of years ago. And I, 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 you know, so I don't want to go into too much, but as far as I just thought it was important to mention uh, about Mike Brown and Cincinnati isn't exactly a big city, but go ahead. I, I apologize. Sure. No, you're, you're right about that um, for sure. And I think that they'll go into uh, the season even more, maybe hated as they they've been in the last couple of years for being kind of a dirty team with, you know, perfect and uh, you know, Adam Jones and things like that. So it, it'll be interesting for sure. But uh, in terms of fantasy, strictly fantasy speaking, uh, man, Mixon's a, a great talent um, in the pass game in the run game. I mean, pass game, he's, he's really good in the pass game. So um, this again helps Dalton. Um, I think, Mixon is a really interesting target right now. I'm going to have to kind of watch his ADP and, and see where he goes, but I'm, I'm cool with taking him now. Um, probably I'd probably take him over McCaffrey um, to be honest, 
Um, so wherever you are saying McCaffrey's going, like in the fourth round or something, I, I would probably consider Mixon in the fourth and fifth round. Um, I don't – I wasn't into Hill really before. Um, Geo is kind of coming back from a fairly serious injury from what I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. Uh, but I'm not super high on Geo um, this year. I don't think I have any shares of him. Uh, and I might be wrong for that. I'm not sure. But I, I like Mixon for sure in this uh, – um, in terms of his landing spot. You know, the offensive line is going to be curious because I think they kind of let that kind of go a little bit this year with the guys they let go of and didn't resign. Um, but I will say this, man, I was making fun of Cleveland or uh, Cincinnati before for kind of looking like they were tanking, but they did really, uh, I don't know, they put up put some offensive weapons uh, together. So we'll, it'll be an interesting offense to watch for sure. So I'm kind of liking Cincinnati and what they're doing. Yeah, I uh, was mixing in Hill. I had about 12% of him and Bernard. And just because running back was so bad, I only had 8% of Bernard. Um, Those shares are now, I wouldn't say worthless. Uh, Hill might be worthless. Uh, I think Bernard, who you were right, did have an ACL. He's coming off of, um, this is the perfect landing spot for Joe Mixon, the person, Joe Mixon, the football player. You know, I, I come from a born-again background and forgiveness, and, you know, that doesn't mean you make excuses or tolerate future. Um, you know, I, I think we all agree that at, the, at, at best, Joe Mixon is, got his, has one chance to be um, a better man, and I hope that he has learned from his horrible error and does better going forward. But Joe Mixon, the football player, I, I, do, I could see him going in the third round now. I do think, though, what's the interesting dynamic is I've heard a lot of very, very, very good guys in this hobby say they would not draft him. So, you know, depending on the mix of people in your league, uh, he could drop simply because some people don't have him on their, on their draft board. They won't draft him. Um, how long they'll feel that way, I don't know, but... Uh, that could keep him in the fourth or fifth round uh, when really his, you know, his talent is, you know, and, and his spot, you know, his current ADP of 58, you know, the end of fifth round, that's, you know, that, 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 that should really go up, I would think, maybe all the way to the you, third round. Any you made final a, thoughts? Sorry. Any you know, final you made thoughts on Mixon? We're talking, well, just talking about the uh, fantasy players, like their, um, I guess, ethical stance on mixing. That's really interesting to me, and it's kind of, I'm kind of glad you brought it up because although I respect everyone, you know, obviously in the industry and in the community um, and and whatever their morals are and their ethical views, um, but you know, I really question the fact. That, well, I would hope that if they're not drafting mixing, they would be, you know, pretty. Um, I don't know, balance it. And then they would do that with every player because I mean, there's so many guys in the league that have, you know, you know, had domestic violence or, you know, murder allegations or whatever, all these different things that, that have happened, you know, like, like uh, Adrian Peterson, you know, I would just want them to make sure that they're being consistent across the board. So you're not on a high horse or, or not like uh, unintentionally being on a high horse or just being consistent. I hope that doesn't come come off as a knock more. So just, it's an interesting thing for me to consider because you would have to do that with everybody. So anyways, that being said, um, I think I'm interested in him. I'm interested in winning championships. 
So I get how it'd be hard to root for the guy. Um, but if he's in the league, like I, I'm going to have to probably draft him. So I, I understand where people are coming from, but there's a little bit more to it in, in my opinion. No, I, I agree completely with, uh, with what you just said. And, uh, I, I, I feel like, um, you know, look, that's one of the things I look for in life is consistency. And, you know, same thing as Ray Rice. You know, if we hadn't seen a video of Ray Rice, Ray Rice would be back in the league and no one would care. Um, when we have to physically see what actually goes on in these domestic abuse cases, it's horrific and everyone gets outraged. But at the same time, you know, a lot of these other guys had the same issues, but we, we just never saw it because it right. wasn't, there wasn't a video. So uh, consistency is good. Forgiveness is good. Um, you know, but I also respect other people's rights to their opinion being different than mine. And uh, all I ask in return is the same courtesy. So uh, sure. we'll move on. Um, and the next guy I have on our list is Deshaun Kaiser. Um, what's really interesting here is that they kind of almost took him as an afterthought, the Browns did. They seem to be willing to go through this draft without taking a quarterback. They were pretty much saying, I think, loud and clear, we want value. You know, we're not going to reach for a quarterback. We're analytical guys. Um, but the analytics matched up with the uh, opportunity, I think, there. I've heard some really bad things about Kaiser's kind of makeup, but Hugh Jackson has gotten a lot out of people with interesting makeups in the past. I do think he's draftable as a third quarterback now, uh, but barely. Uh, I think the Browns will still probably be pretty bad. Uh, but I do think that, you know, for, for, for the young man, this is probably the ideal spot he could have landed. What's your take? Yeah, I, I think I think you're dead on. I don't really have too much more to add on to that. But I think, uh, you know, definitely in the spot where they were at, it wasn't too bad. Um, I think he's, um, I don't know, don't you think he needs a little development time or do you think he's, he's kind of more ready? I, I think he'll need a little time. I think he's going to have to – he doesn't have a lot to beat out. I think he's more talented than the kid from USC, Kessler, who's really the only quarterback there. Um, yeah, Brock, Brock Osweiler, who Steve Smith now famously said at the draft, uh, was the worst quarterback in the league. So um, I, th I think he has a chance to play. I think if he is the best player, he will play. Um, but I think with him, a lot of it's going to come down to – uh, how much does he really want to be the best? Because that's the knock on him. The knock on him is that he's kind of a prima donna. And you can't be a prima donna in the NFL as a quarterback. Uh, we've seen it with Robert Griffin, and Robert Griffin had a lot more talent than this kid. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, it, it, it's a good spot for him, but he's borderline takeable this year. Last guy in the third round, uh, second round, was Juju Schuster, who went to Pittsburgh. I think it's pretty obvious that uh, he's not much of a option with all the people that they've got at receiver there year one, but I'm interested if you've watched tape on him and your thoughts on him landing up in Pittsburgh. 
I mean, I, I think it's a great fit. Um, I think, honestly, I think it's good because I don't, I don't see anybody reaching on him as much, and it's it's just better for his development. I think he's he got he's got upside for sure. He just needs to uh, you know take a little time in the, his first year. So I, I don't think he's fantasy relevant, but d- dynasty wise, I think he's definitely somebody who um, is in a great spot. I agree. All right, so I'm gonna read off um, some of the guys in the third and fourth round and where they were picked, and then I'm going to ask you to pick one or two that you really like or you really like their spot. Um, Alvin Kamara, the Saints traded up for him, and that whole running back situation is quite interesting. Uh, The Rams took Cooper Cup. Uh, Tavon Taylor went to the Titans. They got another wide receiver there. Uh, Darius Stewart went to the Jets. Carlos Henderson to the Broncos, Chris Godwin to the Bucks, Kareem Hunt to the Chiefs, Davis Webb to the Giants, Donta Foreman to the Texans. Uh, boy, a lot of guys. No, you know those. That's a big, pretty big list of really good uh, guys who were pretty probably could have been second rounders. Um, any spots you really like and any, you know, give me one guy whose spot you really like and one guy whose spot you, you, you think was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, these, these guys aren't, aren't my favorite from redraft besides, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt, I think in cup, I think those two, I don't really like love cup or anything, but I think he's definitely going into a situation um, where the, the goat Evan Silva even, you know, pointed out on Twitter. I mean, man, there's, there's just a lot of opportunity. Um, you got Robert Woods and Tavon Austin and stuff, but Cooper Cup um, could definitely be, you know, uh, getting some targets. So that'll be an interesting situation um, to watch play out there just because of opportunity. Um, Taewon Taylor, I love from a long-term standpoint. I love the prospect. I think, you know, Dynasty is where it's at for him. Um, not really looking for much this first year. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I think, is in a really, really interesting spot despite – what people might think about his athleticism um, and his limitations there, but man, uh, you can't ask for a better spot for him. Um, You know, Spencer Ware needed a little help. Um, Definitely don't really think it kills Spencer uh, Ware or anything. I just think it brings everybody back down to earth a little bit because Ware's a a good, very good player, um, but still has limitations and, and things like that. He's not a bell cow um, he's definitely a, a good running back um, that I think is still valuable, um, probably the fifth, sixth round, um, something like that. Um, but, yeah, Kareem Hunt is in a great spot, so I'll be watching his spot. I really like two guys that I would love to get into would be Joe Williams and Jamal Williams, um, later round running backs that I think could be – Go ahead. Why don't you co- – yeah, go ahead and cover that because I found one guy that I liked late that I wanted to talk about. Sure, sure. So, okay, um, these are two of, like, my, especially Jamal Williams, they're two of my favorite running back um, guys to get into. Um, Joe Williams, actually, uh, EOM again, EOM rules from on Twitter, you know, again, one of my guys on Twitter, he, uh, you know, he kind of showed me some highlights and stuff, and I started watching film of him on draft breakdown and things like that. You know, again, I'm not full-time or anything like that. So I'm just kind of watching and, and trying to make my own decisions as well from what I've read, uh, man. And he, uh, that's a really interesting landing spot to, for him to be in San Francisco. I think he's an immediate, um, a potentially, uh, you know, 
big threat to hide, especially later on in the year when he gets acclimated. But he's a talent, man. He is he's dynamic. He's definitely got a few flaws in terms of you know uh, ball security, um, some of his his reads and decisiveness and stuff. Um, like he's got he's a he's got some work to do. But man, in the passing game, even though he'll drop a couple passes here and there, he is he's pretty dynamic, man. He's very fast. He's got some great moves. He's got he's got some power to him as well, and he's kind of nasty. I like him a lot. Um, same thing with Jamal Williams, except the opposite. He's not as as athletic as um, I would like, but man, he found a great landing spot in, in Green Bay. He's uh, really really good in my opinion. He's really well rounded. He's um, probably the best pass blocking back in the draft, um, and even. Matt Waldman kind of agrees with him. Matt Waldman, that's like his boy. Um, of course, the the combine really hurt him, but he did improve in the in the pro day pretty pretty substantially. I think um, from what I remember, I think he was like a four five nine at first in his combine, and I think he brought it down to like a four five three um, on his pro day. Um, take that for what it's worth. But also, uh, there's some speculation. I think it's interesting that he was dealing with a high ankle sprain that he dealt with versus Mississippi state. And it kind of lingered throughout the rest of the year, even though he did tough it out, like he did play. I think he might've missed a couple of games, but like he did play through some of that. Um, and that may have lingered into his combine. So you might've seen him try to tough it out, but maybe that affected his combine numbers. So that's, again, that's just speculation. That's something that I read um, in the rookie uh, scouting portfolio as well. So it's something I'm watching, but I really like Jamal Williams a lot. I think he he's an explosive, but man, he's he's got a mean stiff arm. He's got great vision. Um, I think he's he's a really potentially going to be a good running back down the road, um, and potentially you know this year as well. So we'll see we'll see about him. But he's a complete back. Um, he's just not super explosive. So I'm excited about those two. I think that was awesome, and I'm going to feel. In the same way, I didn't want to read off every guy, but uh, I wanted to give you kind of a list. But I'll go through some of my situations with these later guys that I'm finding very interesting landing spots. Um, Everyone's going to want to talk about Alvin Kamara, but I think he's going to end up being overdrafted. Um, You know, uh, could Ingram be traded? Possibly. But if the three of them are there, it really hurts all of their fantasy value. Uh, Although in best ball, they're likely to have good weeks here and there. Um, You mentioned Cooper Cup. I'm more interested in Reynolds, the guy from uh, Texas A&M who was drafted later for the Rams. Um, He certainly has the ability um, he's raw. I, I'd like. To, I wish he had a few more moves to get open. Uh, but most of the time, when I was watching his tape, they were giving him 15 yards, and he wasn't great on. He, he needs to learn to, to to push his route tree out further and to come back to the ball. But he certainly has these arms that go on forever, and he knows how to use him. I think he's an interesting guy. Um, you know, who could do something this year but uh, is interesting for uh, dynasty purposes. Another guy I really like his landing spot is Carlos Henderson. Um, I, I just think he'll, he'll you know, uh, you don't want to have too many third wide receivers in MFL 10s, but I, I do think he becomes part of the 
conversation late in drafts. Uh, the opposite of Chris Godwin, I think that was a really bad landing spot for him. I agree with your take on Kareem Hunt. I think the the tendency seems to be out of the gate to minimize Spencer Ware too much, and I think that's a mistake. The Giants took Davis Webb, who I like more than most people. I think he's got a quick release and a big arm, two things that you need to succeed in this league. The bust rate on quarterbacks is huge, but if you can get the possible starter to replace Eli in three years at the mid to end of the third round, I think you got to do it. Um, I think Donta Foreman is raw. Um, I, I, I'm really interested to see if it affects Lamar Miller's draft spot at all. Um, he does have a bit of a foot thing, so it'll just be really interesting to see, uh, for me, how that kind of plays out. And the last guy that I'll finish with um, in the fourth round that I think is very, very interesting in MFL 10s now is Pirine, Samaje Pirine, who went to the Redskins. Um, you know, Fat Rob played pretty well, but Pirine could be a better version of Fat Rob. And whether through injury or ineffectiveness, I think, you know, that guy who you can take late in the draft who can get you – uh, who ends up getting on the field can help you win MFL 10s, and he's the guy that's now on my radar. So that's kind of my list. I'll give you a second to kind of uh, react to my list as I did to yours, and then we'll head on out of here. Um, man, I love what you said about Josh Reynolds. That was a guy actually I was really thinking about um, and didn't mention, but I, I do like him as a prospect, um, so I think you were right on with that. Um, I, let's see, I'm thinking about the last guy I was just about to say. I just totally brain farted. P. Ryan, yes, P. Ryan. I, man, as a Redskins fan, you know, don't hate me. I, you know, I get it. Um, no, I, I think that was a great pick. I never uh, hated the Redskins, by the way. Oh, well, I know. I know, I, I, you the know sometimes I, I'm embarrassed to say it out loud. <laughs> no, they I'm just, a they fan, sometimes. but. Yeah, 54 yeah. has so, mellowed me. Yeah, man, absolutely. The Xanax does it for me. No, I'm kidding. But uh, so <laughs> <laughs> with uh, – and you have to have Xanax you know, when you're a Redskins fan, man. You, you need something to take the edge off. Gosh, Can we give it to Daniel man. Snyder? He's the one who seems to need it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, hopefully we could get something stronger that would just, you know, knock him out. We'll put a couple in his drink or something. Um, but, yeah, no, I think Piran is a great pick. I think, you know, I'm glad you mentioned him. Um, I'm really interested to see what this is going to do because I feel like uh, this is a, kind of the the opposite – well, not the opposite way I think they were going to go. But, you know, Fat Rob, I still like him a lot, but this certainly clouds things for sure. Um, I still think he's capable, but you know, he's an undrafted free agent. Don't They don't have any draft capital in him. Um, he's got limitations in the receiving game. He's He's good but not dynamic. So, I mean – that's not really something that you can hang your hat on in terms of, uh, you know, being secure in like a fantasy role. So P Ryan is a really, he's a good prospect, especially run the ball. I mean, he's strong, man. He's a good runner. So he's going to be somebody that I'll start targeting for sure more. I've been drafting him a little bit. Um, Evan Silva a while back, 
not that I listen to what he has to say or anything. It's like he's the guy, no, but no. Um, you know. But he tweeted out something a long, a long time ago that caught my interest, and it was kind of like the biggest risers in it to him that will be post draft would be like Curtis Samuel and uh, P Ryan. He listed and maybe another player. I'm not sure. Can't remember off the top of my head. But those two in particular stood out in my mind. And he was just saying after the draft, you'll see them probably rise. You know, maybe this is a little bit of a cloudy spot for him, but the upside is certainly there. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good offense to be in, and he's a good running back. So, Fat Rob should be nervous, and hopefully he's been doing his cardio, man, and been working out because, man, he's he's got some competition now, you know. And Chris Thompson, he kind of comes away unscathed, in my opinion. So, this kind of, you know, Matt Jones is obviously pretty much out of there. Um, you know, I don't think Keith Marshall's got much of a shot. I mean, maybe in camp they – they give them some time, but uh, man, Chris Thompson comes out pretty much unscathed in my opinion is a great, uh, still a great target in uh, MFL tens, who is my highest owned player, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think, who? I think who? I missed great that. Chris Thompson. Oh, okay. I think he's, he's um, just a well, lot. He's uh, just the easy sixth running back, fifth, sixth running back to grab with, you know, with the great PPR upside, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I've taken him a couple times, and he's just, you know, it's like I typically like to be done with running back by then, but you're right. Um, <laughs> kind of funny, and we'll, we'll, we'll leave everyone with this note. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I have a little bit of ADD, and I got an email that I was up in an MFL 10, and I'm, while you were talking, I was looking at the guys who were available, and I noticed that the pick before me took P. Rhyme. And guess what? Guess what pick it was. Uh, I, I really have no idea. I was just give me a round. That you, give me a round that the earliest um, you you would you would consider taking P Ryan. Well, it probably wouldn't be uh, be anywhere near I would take him, but I, I'm going to go ahead and and say it was like something like the sixth round, some craziness. It was the uh, at eight eleven, which I think is 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 pretty uh, aggressive. Um, and I, I just spent five minutes talking about how I like the guy, but, um, that'll do it for the run to daylight podcast, Joe. It was awesome having you on again. We got to do this again. I'm going to lead the show out with, um, the draft is over. Um, you know, for some teams there'll be peace when we're done and for some teams not, but we're going to lead you out with carry on wayward son by Kansas. Joe, thanks again for doing the run to daylight podcast. Thanks for having me, Todd. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no